Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices News Talk radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. And our reasonable voice today is Nadine Matthews, the co-chair with Ian Burney of the Provincetown Screenwriting Competition. A lifelong lover of arts and culture, Nadine Matthews has worked in television at A&E Television Networks and written about film, television, and art at the intersection of diversity and inclusion for over 10 years. Nadine has written numerous art reviews and profiles for many historically black publications, including New York Amsterdam News, the Baltimore Afro-American, the Los Angeles Sentinel, Minnesota Spokesman Recorder, the Network Journal, Baltimore Times, and groundbreaking native digital publications such as Shadow and Act, Stylecaster, and Coverture. Nadine has a Master of Science in Communications from Quinnipiac University and is a certified field producer in New York City. In her downtime, she volunteers with organizations dedicated to the educational and cultural excellence, such as Girls Right Now, and that's W-R-I-T-E, Girls Right Now, and the East Harlem Tutorial Program. Welcome, Nadine Matthews, to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Marcello, and uh, thank you for having me. So, Nadine, tell us about art and the intersection of diversity and inclusion. What is that? Okay. Well, it's been a topic that I'm sure that your listeners are very familiar with by now. It's been at the top of the news, I think, for the past few years. Mm I guess maybe, if you want to call it a controversy, maybe that's the thing that stands out the most. But it's really about the way in which people of color are involved in the process of producing art, you know, what positions they're in, whether we're talking about books, whether you're talking about fine art, film, TV, the way that they are included in the way that it's presented, the way that they are included in its creation, the way that they are 
represented. I think that we've come for a very long time. Representation was kind of the buzzword. And I think that we've evolved now where we say in inclusion, where we're talking about not just having a person of color, let's say in a film or a TV show, having them be there, but how are they there? You know, what mm. types, the types of roles that they have. So that can be applied across the board, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you might talk about. I think part of it as well is when you talk about the ways that art and culture is maybe manipulated in a certain way mm -hmm. to further, I want to say, I don't want to use the wrong word, but to kind of further this system that we are all used to, mm -hmm. kind of very segregated type system. So I don't know, for example, if people remember the whole discussion with, you know, Beyonce when she did you know, a country music tune. Mm -hmm. I think it was called um, Daddy Issues or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there was a controversy with her, you know, singing a country music because, well, she's, su she's supposed to do, you know, R&B, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think we had the same thing with, I think his name is Lil Nas X. Mm -hmm. He did a really popular song and they didn't want to chart it on you know, the country charts, they wanted it to be hip hop because, you know, he's African American. Um, so it's all of these different ways that not only how people are involved in the creation of art, uh, who is the person, you know, that the image that we see when we are consuming that art, it's also how it's manipulated in the general discourse you know mm -hmm. you know how included are we if you know we, we're still so reluctant to have something that's obviously a country western song we're still reluctant to you know label it as such so it's all of these different issues mm -hmm. uh, that go into you know what I say uh, diversity and inclusion in terms of art it's in museums it's who is doing the curating, hmm. you know, who is making the decisions as to what goes on the museum walls. Mm -hmm. And um, so many institutions are grappling with those issues. Uh, from what I've seen, there's just been a lot of great work mm -hmm. being done around the country. They are deaccessioning certain pieces that, you know, kind of fit into the traditional ways of looking at the world and are now including pieces that reflect the world in which we live. And I think more importantly, reflect the communities in which, you know, these museums sit, mm -hmm. the people in those communities and allowing them to feel more comfortable mm -hmm. visiting those institutions. Another thing is the boards of these institutions who have you know, a great, uh, the biggest voice in terms of how these decisions are made. Mm -hmm. And so that's another hurdle that they're trying to breach, mm -hmm. you know, including more people of color on the boards mm -hmm. and figuring out how to find these people. Yes. Because 
it's a very small community um, historically of the same kinds of people and they choose who they know. And so these are a lot of these issues that, you know, cultural institutions and that's music, that's TV, that's film, that's art, that's books, that's everything. Mm -hmm. And they are all kind of grappling with it. And so um, in terms of my work, I try to touch on a lot of that in terms of what I cover. If you kind of look at, you know, broadly, you know, the types of stories that I do, I do try to make sure that I include all of these issues in in one way or another. I don't really do very many in-depth articles, but I do try to touch on them. Mm -hmm. I know it's stuff that um, people are interested in or, you know, should be aware of, as well as kind of showcasing people in positions that we are not so used to to seeing mm-hmm. so like i've covered george walker who was an african-american composer and he was the first african-american actually to win a pulitzer for music and things like that just mm-hmm. you know who's going to cover it you know if someone with the interest and passion and curiosity that i have doesn't so you know i try to do so in to the extent that i that i can so you know i don't know if i went too far with that but in terms of you know diversity and inclusion and the arts i would say it it covers all of those different areas in my work you know i tend to touch on you know those different areas depending on the stories that was excellent and thank you for that in-depth response tell me what does a certified field producer do Okay, uh, that's pretty simple. So yeah. <laughs> you've got, uh, I'm, I'm sure you know, um, so you've got a studio uh, producer and a field producer. And if you're doing uh, shooting stuff in a studio, you're inside in a very uh, controlled conditions. And you kind of shoot someone on a set, right, with mm-hmm. your camera. And in field production, it's outside of a studio so it might still be inside it could be in like somebody's office or what have you but it could be on the street it could be on a subway platform it could be anywhere so really anywhere outside of a studio where you have conditions that you really not much control over Mm -hmm. um so really that's that's those are the the two main differences yes yes okay so let's give our listeners geographically uh, let's get them focused for the purposes of our conversation we're talking massachusetts near the kennedy homes hyannis sagamore bridge boston even and especially cape cod but the province town screenwriting competition is centered in province town so which leads to the <laughs> the Provincetown screenwriting competition and its connection to the New Media Club. So what is the New Media Club and why in Provincetown? Okay, um, well, the New Media Club is kind of the umbrella organization. We are uh, planning on developing projects centered around you know, new media, incorporating NFTs, incorporating 
augmented reality, virtual reality, those types of things. That's the plan in the long term. Mm -hmm. The screenwriting competition is something that, you know, all of us involved in EVE, me, we've all been involved and passionate about screenwriting and film and, and TV for many years. So that's the kind of commonality for that. And Provincetown is a place that Eve in particular and Chris, who I believe you will be speaking to, um, have been really, really passionate about for many, many, many years. Eve is actually from Massachusetts Mm -hmm. and spent a lot of time there in her earlier years and still does. I have traveled there with her and, and others a few times and uh, found it to be just a wonderful place, warm people, and just a welcoming environment. So I loved it when I went there. And, you know, when she approached me about the Provincetown Screenwriting Competition, you know, it was it was a no-brainer mm-hmm. for me. So that's kind of where all of those things kind of coalesce. Fantastic. Well, that kind of answers, uh, actually does answer my next two questions, but I'll throw them out just in case you feel you want to add something. How did you get involved with the two and why? And I think you just answered that toward the end there, but is there a reason Provincetown is a special fit? I think that um, just because personally um, it means so much to particularly um, Eve and Chris. Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to, to do with it. Provincetown is also uh, just a very special place. Now, for generations, it's been a safe haven for the LGBTQ community in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, and in general, uh, like I observed when I went there, it is pretty much accepting of you know of everyone who, who ventures there. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a vibrant you know, village. It's full of interesting shops. There's a gorgeous beach. There are restaurants, art gallery, galleries, wonderful cottages, bungalows. And a lot of these places, you know, you can't find room in the summer, but there is an off season. There's um, in the fall and the winter, still gorgeous, still gorgeous scenery, gorgeous setting, but a lot of them are empty. So it kind of lends itself to the opportunity of doing more production there and in terms of production with with all this new streaming series there's so much more production really everywhere you know Mm -hmm. not just united states but internationally there's Mm -hmm. just so much production and there are production hubs popping up all over i know many many years ago it was just la new york maybe toronto for like certain types of shows or certain types of movies Mm -hmm. Um, and now you've got Toronto you've got Calgary you've got Vancouver you've got North Carolina you've got New Mexico Atlanta so there are these production hubs coming up everywhere and there doesn't seem to be you know that it's going to slow down anytime soon there are a few shows that just you know filmed there recently Ryan Murphy did a season of American Horror Story there recently. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another series called High Town, uh, starring I think her name is Monica Redmond. Mm-hmm. Raymond. Um, she was people probably know her from Chicago Fire. She was on that for yes. a number of years. So, you know, we just feel that we're going to be seeing more and more 
need for production, production there, and that the the landscape there is is ripe for it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what what we're thinking. <laughs> So it sounds like uh, there's plenty of reason to expect an increase in film and TV production there because if for no other reason, the pandemic has changed things, streaming has changed things, and it seems prime for it in its cultural acceptance as well. Does that sound right? Absolutely. Oh. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, a touch point on, in all of those areas. All right. Well... So let's do one more question, at least this segment, and that is because now we know what makes you so special. So what makes the inaugural Provincetown Screenwriting Competition so special? Okay, Um, so we are significantly different in that we're trying to not just pick out, you know, a great story, Mm -hmm. but we want to help in the development and I want to say kind of marketing process for the prospective filmmaker. So we're looking for projects that are producible in Provincetown. I mean, that's that's our budget mm-hmm. and its environs. So we're looking for stories done on a beach, hotel, bar, whatever we have there. Mm-hmm. But we also want to, you know, put together sort of a sizzle reel for whoever is the winner, mm-hmm. you know, a little trailer or a short that they can then use to market it and uh, try to get it fully produced. So uh, that, I think, is a pretty significant difference. Yes, that is a significant difference. All right. <laughs> I am so glad I asked that. What a way to end the first segment. We are talking to the very experienced film and television professional, Nadine Matthews, who is the co-chair, Ian Burney, of the Provincetown Screenwriting Competition and the New Media Club. We're going to be right back. We're going to take a break. There's a wealth of information we're getting from Nadine, and so stick with us. We're going to be right back in just a, oh, less than two minutes. Stay with us now. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. In history class, most of us learn that the Civil War ended the institution of slavery in America. The 13th Amendment declared that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude should be legal in the land, except as a punishment for crime. It is this conspicuous loophole that award-winning director Ava DuVernay explores in her blistering documentary, 13th. Through a series of interviews with academics, businessmen, and politicians from both sides of the aisle, along with horrific historical photographs and modern video footage, 13th makes the case that slavery never disappeared in America. It only changed form. First with the Jim Crow laws of the South, then in the 80s as the war on drugs, and now with the disproportionate mass incarceration of black Americans. The subject matter is difficult, but DuVernay has edited the film so as to make it impossible to turn away. There are no moments of silence, no places to catch your breath. Hip-hop lyrics punctuate the film's segments, relentless in their plea for justice. If ever a film deserved to become required viewing across America, it would be 13th. Watch it tonight. 13th. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my Reasonable Voice today is Nadine Matthews. 
She is the co-chair with Ian Burney of the Provincetown Screenwriting Competition, Umbrella Company being the new media club. And we've been talking about her diverse background, her commitment to diversity and culture and equality, justice for all, all the good things we should be committed to, all of us, every day. We found, and I said this to Nadine as we were closing the first segment, we have a good sense now of what makes her so special, but what's so special about the province town screenwriting competition, and she gave a marvelous answer. So let's go from there. Marcello, you mentioned Ian Burney, mm-hmm. and actually that was one of the reasons why I got on board as well. So he is co-chair. Just want to stress how just wonderful and valuable he is. Ian Burney, of course, was the film programmer at LACMA for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, LACMA, as your listeners probably know, is Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. And he was so valued that when they made the decision to end the film program for you know a number of, of reasons, Martin Scorsese himself wrote a letter to the LA Times voicing his frankly, his displeasure. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, he referred to Ian as, you know, a programmer of immaculate taste and knowledge, which, I mean, high praise indeed. Yes, indeed. So when I heard that he was going to be involved, I thought, you know, wow, what, you know, what a great chance. So yeah, that's one of the things that makes our competition great. And uh, one of the reasons, you know, why I got on board as well. Excellent. It certainly does. All right. Since it's a competition, let's let's uh, tell people what they need to do. Uh, for, get into some specifics here. How many screenplays or pilots? Because you, you're offering not only for film but for television series as well, if I understand correctly. How many will you accept? And is it first come first serve, or is there a cutoff date, or what? Yeah, it is first come first serve. Um, it's inaugural, so we're trying to keep it kind of small. They have until the 30th of the month. Of June. And uh, we're trying to keep it down to 100 because we don't have, you know, a lot of readers yet. But, yeah, it can be TV, it can be film, anything that somebody, you know, would potentially want to sell. Mm -hmm. And we put together a reel for them and get them to meet with, uh, you know, an agent and get them on their way, mm-hmm. so to speak. And some of your requirements for the submissions, the, the format, uh, and I know you've mentioned the, the environment of Provincetown is preferable. Uh, yeah, so put, put... We, want, we want it to be more, um, like I said, you know, a beach, a hotel, or anything that we can shoot in a beach community. So it, you know, it can't be like, I don't know, <laughs> Um, you know, on the moon or something, unless there's a beach there. Um, so that's preferable. We want hard copy submissions as well. So we're not going to do digital submissions. And other than that, you know, standard screenwriting uh, format. And, you know, that's basically it. Yes. And you, I'm glad you mentioned the hard copy because Eve said that to me as well. Somewhere I read that you were taking. I just want to clarify, you were accepting PDFs, but is that no longer the case, just so we are clear? It's it's hard copy, 120 pages? Yeah, that's what that's what we discussed. Okay, so, very good. Yeah. Okay, just want to make certain that was out there. Sure. Um, 
So it seems to me, just by your wonderful answers, what makes your competition unique is your mission to assist in the development process. Now that, except for Sundance, I don't, I don't think I've heard of anybody doing that. Yeah, no one. I think we're pretty much the only ones who who, who do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a boon for anybody who's just starting out. It's hard enough as it is, you know, getting your foot in the door, getting to meet people, to have that extra, you know, leverage of being able to put something in someone's hands that's real and, you know, and say, here's a trailer of what I'm trying to do we think will give them that much more of an advantage. Mm -hmm. And I have to say what you are offering is so much greater than what I'm about to mention. Years ago, when I was directing and teaching TV commercials a great deal in New York City, I created a class that was specifically for scene study of TV scripts, because I was on TV at the time and I could get the scripts, but also they would leave the class, and this will date it for you, with a video cassette of their scenes. And I have still to this day students who who keep in touch from every now and then and say those tapes got them so much work. And what you are doing is a millennium above that. So oh, yeah. to anyone listening out there, if you are a screenwriter or, or want to be, you need to jump on this for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. But, oh. you know, a lot of what I do, you know, you go to junkets, you go to festivals or whatever the events are and there's always this networking component to to everything mm -hmm. and there are always a lot of people who are just kind of starting out and trying to get their names out there and one of the things that I think that they overlook is the work you know having something concrete mm -hmm. when you meet someone yes it's really crucial you know, if you meet someone at an event, you're just another face in the crowd, mm -hmm. even if you want to give them a business card. But to have something concrete to look at, to have a script, to have a reel is very, very crucial. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that, mm -hmm. you know, so that, you know, we think this is going to be a wonderful benefit. Yes, absolutely. Now, we've talked about, I don't know, we've talked specifically about the genre. Uh, is there a specific genre or anything anything good will do? <laughs> no, um, no specific genre. Um, we're not emphasizing that. Uh -huh. You know, I think a lot of us are thinking, you know, uh, drama, romantic drama or what have you. But we're not specifying any particular genre okay. be anything but it is a plus if there's some theme for lgbtq theme or that's character or mystery right absolutely mm -hmm. well that's just part of our overall intent to be inclusive and yes it is provincetown so definitely we really want a lot of lgbtq stories but we want to be inclusive just in general so we want women we want people of color we want lgbtq i think this is a real great opportunity to be an organization that is enthusiastically welcoming of all sorts of stories from all sorts of storytellers yes I, again i love asking you questions because you uh, you answer the next three i love it but <laughs> voices of women and persons of color yes and stories by the way written by and for 
audiences of middle age uh, and beyond viewers. Is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. So all ages, that's another sort of underrepresented group as well. Yes. And so, yes, we welcome stories, you know, for older people, by older people, about older people. So we wanted, we wanted all. Okay. In other words, you are truly practicing what you preach. There it is. We are eagerly trying to do so. Absolutely. Okay. Our best. Yes. I know you've mentioned uh, somewhere along the line, final draft. Explain to those who want to be involved, what is final draft and uh, how it's how is it helpful? Oh, okay. So final draft is just screenwriting software. It's pretty much standard in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're, I mean, there are lots of different resources that you can use or to, to format your screenplay, um, but that's kind of the best one and that is the industry standard so if you're going to write it that's the best way to to use and i agree completely i love those guys okay yeah uh scripts we've said 120 pages etc and and uh oh and it but if it's not a film it's a, a pilot you want also an outline of an entire season yes okay and uh the tv pilot's uh 55 55 pages with an outline yeah yeah okay let's get to some of the fun stuff but i want to mention uh just so we know we're sending this and correct me if i'm wrong nadine new media club provincetown screenwriting competition p.o box 191 provincetown massachusetts 02657 and of course That's in the United States of America. We will repeat that before we end the show today. Some of the fun things, as we pull out our hair and try to write a screenplay for you before June 30th, or a a teleplay, or a season, what are the prizes? What's first prize? Well, let's start with third. Let's, Let's build it up. What's the third prize? That's a Zoom presentation of your your script, uh-huh. my professional actors, and um, you get to meet with a, a producer to talk about any of your, you know, what are your your goals for your production. Yes. So that's um that's a third. Okay, and uh, second is a Zoom presentation, um, and you also get a third Zoom presentation of the script by uh, professional actors. And um, you get a three-day weekend in Provincetown, and you get to roundtable your script Mm. um, for a writer and a producer. Wonderful. And then uh, first, you get a meeting with a literary agent in L.A. or New York. You also get the, you know, the the Zoom reading with the actors. You also get hosted in Provincetown for a week. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, get to meet with uh, the producers and, and writers that we know, and we start getting ready to develop the trailer. Mm-hmm. And when it's done, we help them to start getting it out there and getting it in front of eyeballs. Yeah. So, yeah. And when your sizzle reel is finished, you host indefinitely on, on your site? On our site, yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. This yeah. is all so wonderful. It is all so wonderful, truly, especially when one remembers the caliber of talent 
of your team there. I mean, you've, you've oh, mentioned yeah. Ian, and uh, uh, I don't know if we have we said much about Eve and, and Chris, except in passing, but but everyone seems to be so qualified, so experienced, so open to being open. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, that's one thing that's so really great about Eve. I mean, um, in, in even just approaching me, he's always been just a very open person, open to experiences, open to different types of people. I'm not sure um, how much you know her, but that's really is who she is mm -hmm. naturally. So it was interesting when, you know, she was talking about it and just kind of emphasizing that she wanted to make sure, you know, that we were diverse and, you know, bringing on people. So she brought me on. There's also Karen Gunn, who has a lot of experience in literary agencies and, and talent management. And uh, we're also bringing in Sharice Robinson, who is a filmmaker. She's also an associate professor at NYU. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we just wanted to really make sure that there were, you know, there were no blind spots. But yeah, you know, we mentioned Ian already with his wealth of knowledge yes. in, in terms of film. We have Nancy Fishman, who is very experienced in uh, film distribution. We have Irene Burns, who's worked in HBO for many, many years uh, as a, it, producing. Anthony Jaswinski, who also has extensive work in, in screenwriting. So we've got some really, really great, great people working truly, with us. Truly you do. And all that expertise is, you know, inspiring all of us to respond not only to the competition, <laughs> but to to your mission in general. It's just a wonderful thing to to discover you guys, you know? And and by the way, since Eve was impressed with this, that's why she reached out to me. I heard about you and your organization and what you're doing from my mm -hmm. NBC boss. Oh, uh, interesting. Yes, exactly. Eve thought so. She said, great, if NBC is telling people about us, we must be doing something right. And right, I said, exactly. I said, yes. Oh, that's wonderful you to know. hear. Yeah, so, I mean, wow. All right, we are going to have to go, but before we go, we want to also, of course, mention where they mail in their submissions for a screenplay or a pilot for a series. But before we do that even, tell us, Nadine, what is the takeaway for you? What is it you want our listeners to remember most about all that you've been telling us today? Like you walk out of the theater singing a certain song. What is you want them humming, bouncing around in their head for the rest of the month of June? Hmm. Um, well, I just want them to know that the Provincetown Screenwriting Competition and the New Media Club is dedicated to fresh new voices, fresh new stories for people who love film and filmmaking, and we are eagerly awaiting all of their submissions. Excellent. Okay, that mail-in address again for their submissions. It's New Media Club. Provincetown Screenwriting Competition, P.O. Box 191, Provincetown, Massachusetts, 02657 in the United States of America. Or they can visit newmediaclub.org online. Excellent. I, I did forget to mention the website. Say that again for us, if you will. Uh huh. They can visit newmediaclub.org 
online. Excellent. Any uh, social media? We'll get that going very soon. Okay. Well, it has been a distinct pleasure. It has been so just incredible. Just prepping for the show, I was so impressed with uh, what all of you know and with what you're more than willing to share. You're just open to everybody, and it's a great chance, an opportunity to learn, if nothing else, if you submit your script and get people at this caliber talking about it even. That in itself is something. So thank you so very much, Nadine Matthews, for being on The Reasonable Voices today and, and for all that you guys are doing. We wish you all the best. We really do. Oh, thank you. It was my my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. All right, then. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. This has been an amazing show, I believe, and it's, it's its content that we hope you will take to heart, not only for a screenwriting competition, which is a marvelous thing, but for the general public, for a willingness to see us all as valuable. Okay, that's going to be it for us today. Thank you so much again, Nadine and Matthews, and everyone involved with this wonderful new project. Bye, my dear. Thank you. Hi, I'm Marcello Rolando of Rolando and Dresner Productions, here to introduce our new musical dramedy, A Little Place Called Earth, book by Marcello Rolando, music and lyrics by Larry Dresner. Here is one of the songs from our show, There Won't Be Any Band by composer-lyricist Larry Dresner. From the Rolando and Dresner Productions' new musical, A Little Place Called Earth. When I first fell in love, I knew a band was playing From the sound of trumpets braying And the peals of screaming brass
information, listen to our Rolando and Dresner Productions podcast on Marcello Rolando's YouTube channel. Thank you, and join us online, on stage, and on earth. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Why so many hate crimes lately? The question itself betrays a culture of convenience now, instant gratification tomorrow, and denial forever. Unless the very core of our collective human psyche is upended by the truth that sets us free from the big lies humankind procreated even before 1607, we'll continue to complicate needed solutions. 1. Housing is what ends homelessness. 2. Taxing billionaires actually helps working poor. 3. Common ground, computerless rural areas, and disconnected urbanites. However, until we reach such social platforms of faith of our mothers as well, hope by and by in each other, and love for all the people all of the time, this truth hurts. Hate is but the tip of our human history iceberg imprisoned in the foundation of Cain and Abel, sweltering on the hellish quartet of self-destructive pillars. Envy, anger, fear, and a newly re-unmasked variant of civil war. Truly, there are only three comparatively new feeders of hate crimes. 1. American media has discovered it bleeds, so it leads. 2. We the people are too easily contented by stop-gap government measures, instead of single-mindedly in union with each other and the leaders we elect at every level, upholding the intended exceptional belief we hold these truths to be self-evident, all are created equal. 3. Too often now our military and police are increasingly magnets for extremists because some of us cannot be trusted with guns and the power to use them with prejudice. 120 years after Honest Abe, the right exchanged our 16th icon for republicanism born of Kay and Wall Street's lust for Frank Lust's contract with America, deserting Reagan's welfare queens for the Trump. Hate, like Jim Crow after it, and slavery before literacy tests, has always been America's foggy bottom, evolving ever watchful of who it embraces and who it excludes through mangled patriotism's twisted interpretations, particularly of our Constitution's first fifteen amendments. Although none of our presidents nor our political parties have been perfect, few colluded with Wall Street CEOs in the White House like Dick Cheney in an attempt to amuse the too-big-to-jails greed for power, sacrificing our global economy on the altar of the Great Recession, intentionally drowning America in a Norquist bathtub of foreign oil wars, and, domestically, Americans invested in the stock market, real estate, or home mortgages found themselves victims of foreclosure, without life savings or employment, thus laid bare as the welcome mat for an inciter of January 6, 2021 violence. 
The point is, our responses to the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the January 6 attackers on the Capitol building and the members of Congress define us, and by extension, both the military and civilian leaders we give power over us. If we can't differentiate between the truth and the big lies we continue to tell ourselves about the big lies those we elect tell us, then our democratic republic hangs by our pinky fingernails. If we truly believe businesses can't find post-COVID employees because of government stimulus and not because of the low wages they offer, then we've been watching too much corporate-owned TV news, in addition to Fox. If we can't accept the real possibility that our ex-president is not only guilty of felonious behavior, but has dangerously damaged our nation and society through his violent supporters, dark, dirty money enablers, and rented Republican senators and governors, then we have become the real-time sitcom for which Putin, China, and North Korea have been waiting. Recognizing our denial has less of a chance to stop climate change than Republicans have of stopping January 6th Commission investigation is a good first step toward surviving the mesmerized Trump dominions. Admitting that over a half a million people died here from COVID may open our eyes to the lesson that Still among the living are people who happily value their opiate income more than the lives of those addicted to them. Facing the reality of America's new civil war, we might see January 6 as our Fort Sumter, for there are millions of Americans amassing weapons that can inflict mass human destruction all over America, just waiting for the rhetoric follow-through of Stand Back and Stand By. The wise will not see humor in 40% of Americans armed and ready to strike we the 60% because post-COVID has spawned a new level of fear in the likes of Charles Koch regurgitating money and the written word into the coffers of Koch red-mapped red state legislatures, furiously racing against racial history to radicalize the ruination of parity. The 62 House members who voted against the bipartisan hate crimes bill are as much a lesson for us as climate change, COVID-19, the colonial pipelines panic-buying gasoline lines, and the recent deep freeze of Americans living in Texas. But teaching civics, civic duty, and equal means equal to our children as early as middle school could be our democracy's best hope. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, 
hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.